Um, and all glory to God kind of moment when um, somebody's stunned at the grace of God. And grace is not a what. It's not a substance. It's not a... We, we pray things. We pray, pour your grace into this matter. And it, sound, it sounds substances, but grace is a person. Um, that person is Jesus Christ. And, uh, oh man. I've been trying to get to you all morning, actually, so I gotta give you a hug for a second. <laughs> Glad to have you back up. <laughs> well, I think uh, if you can survive all that you have, I can squeeze a little harder and you'll be fine. <laughs> You're a marked man, and I don't think I'm going to mess with you because God's preserving you, and so I think I'd get hurt if I hugged too hard. Yeah. <laughs> no, but uh, that all glory to the grace of God, who is Jesus Christ. So, Father, as we before we come into your word together, we give you thanks and praise for a stronger solidarity that was established today and I pray that that's what it would be some, that, 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 that jostles some of us if we don't really want that but if you're moving that forward in our church who can stop you and uh, so maybe we not fight against you but grab onto you and cling all the more and be brought forward with you as you step and help us to see the glories of you as, and, and may it make us want to go forward with you uh, together, forward, after you, with you, by you, with each other. Um, I thank you for all the providence that you've poured into our brother Rob and his story in his last, uh, and all that you have done, are doing, and will do. You've kept him here for a purpose, and you've established your name as, um, you've, you've built an understanding of your name that is more robust than all of us because of the testimony we heard this morning. And you emboldened his mouth to give you glory. Uh, may, all, may we all have mouths like this and hearts like this. Make our hearts to be full of what our mouths should be saying. And may it be Christ and the glories that are in him and the glory that is him. Especially now as we come into your word for a short time together. May you make us to hear and understand and provide a way forward for us. And we give you all glory and thanks. And it's for your wonderful name we pray. Amen. Um, so we have Ephesians 4, but he hung out in Ephesians 1 for most of our time, so I'm not ready for that. No, I'm ready for that. Um, at some point, this year, we intend, I'm not saying we're going to, but we intend, it's on our, we're going to do that list, but God establishes our steps, so we'll see. Um, we want to go into the book of Ephesians the same as we did Philippians, and so, in order for our church to find this oneness that we've been after, we've kind of, we've, we've the eldership has kind of identified these verses that characterize us and that we're walking in, these segments of scripture, and one of them is Ephesians 4, where it talks about walk worthy of the calling that you've received, and then it goes about with all the ones that we heard. We have one faith, and one Lord, the seven ones uh, in Ephesians 4, and 
And as you go throughout the chapter, um, he kind of tells us how this oneness takes place. And so let's just start in chapter 4, verse 1. It's kind of driving me a little crazy because the other three chapters are necessary to understand it, but I can get over that. Um, <laughs> um, and before we do it, just let's go to one verse, chapter 1, verse 10, as Leonard had it. And this is just, in Ephesians 1, verses 1 through 18, they're all one thought. So we're kind of just chipping off a block of it right now. Parachuting in the middle of it. According to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ, in verse 10, as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven, and things on earth. So part of God's plan in bringing about the gospel and letting human history proceed is that he's making it to proceed, proceed towards him. And the church are those group of people who are the Godward people who he's called out, the ecclesia, the called out ones. That's what you are. We're the ones that are called out of the world. A Christian is a, cult, a church that is full of the called out ones. So I, therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, in chapter 4, starting in verse 1, he's in prison as he writes this, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling in which you have been called. I remember the first time I heard that verse, it was right before I was a Christian, it was in the, I believe, God drawing me in the stage, and that was one of the verses of a few that I heard uh, as I began coming to this church that Leonard had up, or that he said one day, it was like, these three verses really just were arrows straight from the pulpit to the person. Y'all, I'm sure you've experienced that. This was one of them. I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Some translations say um, the calling you've received. When your phone is ringing in your house, you didn't do anything to start it. It, it called you. You didn't call and tell somebody to call you. It was a preemptive thing that happened. It was God got our attention first. Otherwise, we wouldn't be here. Just long story short. And he tells us to walk in a manner worthy of the calling we've received. This is throughout the New Testament. I'm not going to go to other verses. But this is the highest calling we could be called with. The greatest calling that there is phone has rang through the telling of the gospel and he's called us to pick it up and I remember this being sticking out to me because I had this sobering feeling of I am not walking according to that calling but I was really appreciative that I heard that 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 and I was startled by it in a good way and then he says this Walk in a manner worthy of the calling you have been called with all humility. He lists three things, humility and gentleness and with patience. And he goes on, but he lists three singular words. And there's a couple connecting um, verses. We'll jump around a little bit. Acts 20, is, uh, verse 19 is one. You don't have to turn to any of these. I'll go fast. Serving with the Lord with all humility 
And in Philippians 2, 3, do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others as more significant than yourself. That is completely different than, the message, than any message you'll find anywhere else. Colossians 3, 2, put on then as Christ. As God's chosen ones, remember you've been called, but I called it. You didn't solicit. He chose us. Holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness. This is everywhere, this humility. There's no going forward without it. There's no proceeding and following Christ without it. Humility is the most neglected subject in the world, but one of the premier subjects in the church. Um, and there's, there's more, but we'll, we'll stop there. And gentleness. Um, sometimes when the truth finds us, if it feels anything but gentle, do you remember those times when you heard that thing and it just completely grated against you? But then after that, it's, it's meant to lead you into this position where God can gently forgive you of that thing which he's drawn you out of into something better. There's a gentleness that comes in the conviction of the Lord for the sweetness that's there. Um, and that's how you know it's godly conviction. It still doesn't feel good, but afterwards, once it's done its work, it yields a harvest of peace, according to the book of Hebrews. And we're to walk like this, too. His gentleness in forgiving us should come out of us towards one another and with patience bearing with one another in love eager there's there should be like a giddiness within us to maintain this unity with this humility gentleness and patience and this this bearing with cultivates from the lord entering us and so we're eager to maintain unity of the spirit in the bond And then Paul goes about saying, there is one body and one spirit. One body, that's the church. One spirit, the Holy Spirit. Just as you were called to one hope, that's a solid hope that you've been called to. Not a wishy-washy, it may or may not happen, and I hope it does. No, this is a sure hope it will happen. The ultimate outcome of our faith is a sure thing. Hard to see that at times. Sometimes I find it very hard to believe that Jesus actually feels the way about me that everybody does. Do you feel that too? Yeah. Sometimes I just read my Bible to reconvince myself of it, <laughs> you know? And I think that's okay. I think that's what he's, he's there for. Um, and the one hope that belongs to your call, you know, within the calling and the answering, responding, receiving, um, bundled in that is that imparture, that imputation, the giving of that solid hope to the receiver. One Lord, one faith, 
baptism. One God and Father of all. We may have time to go over this more next week. I don't have much time today, but um, I don't know how much of this he'll hit again. And if he does, we'll open this up a little bit more. But one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all. So he lays it out. Paul goes about showing us this massive God. The first three chapters do just that as well. But there's not a lot of things, at least in where our faith's eyes are concerned, that we should be looking at. There's one God, and we fix our eyes on him through Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ perfectly reveals God to us. If you want to know what God is like, you look at Jesus. Yeah, look at um, Hebrews 1.3 says he made uh, the Son is the exact radiance of the Father. Jesus Christ is the exact picture of God. So the way you see Jesus moving and interacting and talking and giving grace and truth and balancing those two things perfectly, that's exactly how God is. texts like this that put the focus on the main thing and that makes everything else uh, it puts everything in line you know it connects the dots if you have the main dot connected then all the other dots become clear you know um, and there, there, there's something authentic about the Christian faith that can't be found in other faiths um, things that don't make sense. Like, they, like if you look at Buddhism, um, they say that evil is an illusion. And I don't know if I could say that to a rape victim. And pain is an illusion. It's pretty easy to hurt somebody, even in any way, shape, or form. Those things aren't delusions. Those are real. God made us physical. And this is a fallen world, so all the things we are conscious of can in some way, shape, or form manifest real substance of pain and joy in themselves. Um, we could talk about that for a long day. <laughs> um, and the idea of luck you know, um, how does an impersonal force know what's good for me? 
No, we worship the personal God who, before the foundation of the world, <laughs> chose us in him that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption. So when we didn't know it was good for us and we have all these categories like luck and karma and whatever, there's this God who's behind everything calling us out, opening our eyes, healing them, and helping us to walk worthy of the calling we've received. He's a personal force who knows our ultimate good and who is himself the ultimate good. Christianity is the only idea in the marketplace that has the power, the only stand, you know, the only house on the block that has its lights on, the only one with power. Which is very offensive to the world. Yeah. <laughs> he also calls us out from all the thinking that we've had about other religions. Yeah. And There's a little bit of residue from what we believed before yeah, we had Christ still residing there. Like, uh, oh, well, we got to do this and do that out of the world. The world's fine. Mm -hmm. It's our thinking that's wrong, and that's what he calls us out. Yeah. Now we're thinking the right way. Yeah. And if only there was something that corrected the way we think. <laughs> some place we could go. To renew our mind with some help. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that's what he's doing. He's, he's pursued us to put us in that position. I don't want to be saved. Oh, I'm sorry. You'll be grateful in a little while. <laughs> Just come this way. Keep coming this way. Oh, I forget where I was. Oh, <laughs> all right. All right, but grace was given to each one according to the measure of Christ's gift. I have the ESV Bible app, by the way. It's awesome. There's little references that, that shoot you all over the Bible because this is a hyperlinked text. You can, this is like one water slide where you jump in in Ephesians 4 and you end up in Genesis something and then you're, it shoots you over to Colossians here. and that, That's how the Bible works. It's, yeah, it's this, and this, and this. I don't know, it seems complicated, but it's just, it's all one story. It's the truth. The truth does that. It's not a bunch of truths. It's the truth. Yeah, it's a singular this. It's a, uh... Okay, so, um, but grace was given. Let's talk about that for a sec. We know that we've received the grace of God. Paul has been, uh, uh, opening up this the grace of God given to mankind that's what this whole letter is about and opening up for the Ephesians to understand so that they can stand in it and that's the truth that's what he'll tell them that's what he tell, starts telling in chapter 1 and what he really reaffirms in chapter 6 um, the grace was given just, just put that in yourself for a second grace has come it has been given God has opened his hand to us. Grace has come. Jesus has come. And he accomplished all, all that's necessary for our salvation. But grace was given to each one of us. Remember that? To each one of us. Um, Matthew 25, 15 says, To one he gave five talents, to another he gave two, and to another one, to each according to his ability. 
I always read that and I thought it was according to the person's ability. Uh, and that might be this, this particular text, but this is according to God's ability. In 1 Corinthians 12, 7, to each is given a manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. God has uniquely wired each of us differently for himself. Different pieces doing one thing, moving in one direction, a part of one body with one faith, one baptism for one God, Father of all. Okay? I love this app. Um, according to the measure of Christ's gift. Romans 12, 3 says, For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith God has assigned. So there's a amount of, I don't like thinking of faith as an amount of thing. You have more faith, you have this. It's the quality, it's the, what your, your faith is in that's the biggest part of your faith. And that's why we have a mustard seed or we have a mountain. If it's in Christ, we can move mountains, right? It's not big and small. It's If you have a small measure of faith, God can take that and do things you never could with, with being just determined. Okay. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. Now, these next three verses, they talk about the ascension, and they're in parentheses in Scripture, like Paul does a sidebar here to kind of open up the ascension, and then he gets back on track in verse 11, and he said and what these gifts are that God gave, and we'll probably stop there, but let's just look at this for a sec. Um, he paused for a theological point, continues his thought in verse 11. So let's go to go through his little offering for a second. Um, therefore, it says, he ascended on high, he led a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. Okay, so when Christ ascended, he had completed all things, all right? And he's quoting the Old Testament here. This is, uh... oh, and that word for men is actually a, a mankind word. It doesn't just mean, you know, guys, um, which is good. Look at this. I saw this in my Bible the other day, and I was like, aha. Um, let me hit pause. Genesis 5. This is a good distinction for us. Just, it'll help you in your Bible reading. I think it's worth it just to pull over for a second. Uh, male and female, he created them, and he blessed them and named them man. So whenever... A lot of the times in the Bible, especially in the Old Testament, when he says, you, O man, he's talking mankind. He's not just talking to a man, okay? That's a good distinction to make. All right, back. And this is uh, Psalm 68, verse 18. He's quoting from when he ascended. Okay, so he's finished his work um, insofar as it counts as his earthly ministry. And now he's ascended on high. And he's brought with himself all his church, all his elect, past, present, and future, uh, which he, Paul talked about uh, in, in chapter 2, and he raised us up with him and seated 
and we are seated with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So we're here now, but there's a seat reserved for us that won't be taken away, pulled out, given another name that has our name on it. He ascended on high. He led a host of captives. That's us. We were once slaves to our sin, and now we're slaves of righteousness who are actually free. Christianity is the only form of slavery where you're actually free. No matter what, you're going to be a slave to something. And if you don't think you're a slave to anything, you're a slave to your autonomy. Right? Um, and so he led us this, these free captives. And he gave gifts to men. Okay. And Paul's going to tell us in verse 11 what these gifts are and how they align with his kingdom, how they create oneness in his church. But first he, he takes this little sidebar. And saying he ascended, Paul says in verse 9, what does it mean? but that he also descended into the lower regions of the earth. That's Jesus came to earth. So this is like your Christmas verse, right? He descended into the lower regions of the earth. God became a man and put on flesh. He walked among us. He who descended is also the one who ascended far above the heavens. He came from the heavens. He fulfilled his mission here. And he went... And he is over all the heavens. We could open this book, up, this verse up a little more. Maybe we will next week. That he might fill all things. Um, there will come a time in human history, at the end of it, when evil is completely and totally dealt with. In Genesis one and two, sin yet hasn't entered the world. In Revelation, um, the last two chapters of Revelation, sin no longer exists. And so. We will get to that stage eventually. We've actually, and you can, if you're in Christ, you have, you have entered into that stage now. It's begun for you. You, your body will go into repose, but you will never die. You will never be destroyed. Your seed will always be there, and you will um, one day taste of all that you're groaning for now, um, in the fullness of life, where sin is no longer a possibility and death is no more, and forget where I saw it in the scripture, uh, you'll forget. Him wiping away every tear is you forgetting all that, the hardness of this, uh, all the pain that this world has caused, all the sin, intentional and unintentional things that you did and things that happened to you, obliterated, gone. Very awesome. <laughs> um, and then he goes back to verse 11. And these are the things that he gave. Now there's the gift of grace and Christ and the gospel and salvation. There's all the gifts that are in that. But this is the gifts he gave the church. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers. What all these have in common is these are all workers of the word. They have a ministry of the word because it's by the word that God saves people. It's by the central message of the Bible, the gospel, that God calls people onto himself. You can find that in Romans 1, 16 and 17, 2 Thessalonians uh, 2, uh, 13 and 14. It's, it's everywhere. The gospel is the tool that God is in reaching and saving people when they hear it. And these, these people 
are those who announce it. Um, and that's all that needs to happen. God can work through. It doesn't have to be... It's just a faithful announcement, proclamation, heralding, if you will, of the truth of Jesus Christ. That's God, God's testimony to mankind. And we look to Christ by faith when we hear the gospel and meet God there. And he calls our faith, faith to himself, and our faith is the instrument by which we grab on to Christ and find salvation and continue to find it after he saved us. And we continue to be sanctified as we keep grasping with the promise that he's never let go when we rest. So these are uh, the apostles, and we can credit each position here. But let me go to verse 12. He gave us these. Uh -uh. To equip the saints for the work of ministry and for building up the body of Christ. The building, to, the only tool in Paul's toolbox is the gospel, right? That's what we kept saying when we went through Philippians. Um, to equip the saints for the work of ministry. We do everything by God's word. He's already, it's that simple. He's already made everything how he wants it to be. We just, we just look at this and, and do it in full faith that he's going to be sovereign in it. Until we obtain, till we attain the unity of faith and knowledge of the Son of God. So last week we were in Acts 2. And we hit Acts 2.42 when we, when we see the, uh, the early church. We, get, we, we see the gospel for the, most of the chapter, and then we get a little snapshot at the very end of this honeymoon phase that the church was in. After the ascension, Peter receives, the apostles receive the Holy Spirit. Peter goes out, he preaches on the deck to all these people who are in Jerusalem from all over the world. People hear the gospel in their own language. That's a miracle. Um, and then this community is formed. That's the first church where the church goes from around 120 people to 3,000 after Peter's sermon. And one of the things that they devoted themselves to was the apostles' teaching. So that's your New Testament. That's the apostles' teaching. And so they didn't have Bibles. They didn't have the New Testament. They had the apostles who wrote the New Testament. So they had all the knowledge in these men. Um, and they were preaching the Old Testament and, and pointing forward, hey, this is what God did. This is what meant here in Isaiah. It came true in Jesus. This is what Jeremiah was talking about. It came true in Jesus. This is the promised one from Genesis 3.15. Here he is. He came. This is the guy that the entire Old Testament is pointing to. And then they write these letters, and this is what we have now. As in our church, we have a lot more information than the early church had. Think about that. But we don't have as much information as the apostles had. They were with Jesus. They, God made these 12 men, 11 men plus Matthias later, um, credible as being with Jesus for entire ministry. They were eyewitnesses. These are ones empowered by Jesus. He promised the Holy Spirit, came on them at Pentecost, and filled them. The very God is in them, preaching everything that Jesus taught them. So these are unique men. And there are no more apostles. The last one was Paul. He says himself in uh, 1 Corinthians 15, he was the last one. Uh, so the New Apostolic Reformation is not new. It's not apostolic. It's not a reformation. Don't pay attention to it. Um, 
but it says they devoted themselves to the teaching of the apostles. That word devoted there, Sinclair Ferguson said, uh, they became addicts of the word of God. They heard it, it called them onto themselves, it made sense, and they weren't done hearing it at the end of the day. They kept day in and day out. More, more. Good, like a, a real taste of Jesus. You want more. And that's why Christianity, it, 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 some saints might get a little jacked. I've been one of those, I am one of those at times. And it's a come and see. Come and see. Like it's just so, like if you've ever tasted something wonderful, it's like your first, uh, you want to try it again and you want to share it. Yeah? So, that's happening. Paul is writing about these gifts that God gave the church. These are, and I look at the demoniac from, that we, a while ago, the guy who was in chains, he had lesions of demons within him. Jesus came, and at the end of the story, Jesus heals him, and where is he? He's at the feet of Jesus, wanting to know more. Look at Martha and Mary. Martha was going about doing what's important, but Mary chose what's essential. She was at the feet of Jesus. She wanted more. They lived by every word that came from the mouth of God. My sheep know my voice. And we love to hear our master's voice. But I think... uh, we're going to open this up more next week, but that's, that's what I got for right now. Does anybody, I, I kind of, <laughs> is there anything anybody wants to say? I was, pretty good? Okay. All right. Father, um, with your word, Thank you for the gifts that you've given us. Thank you for you came to us and you rescued us. You made us susceptible to hear these wonderful things. Maybe we don't understand them. I don't understand anything when I read this book fully, but you do. So I keep coming back to you for understanding so that I might have a little more, a little more. You make our hearts to want that. If our hearts didn't want that, I don't think we'd be here. I wouldn't be. Um, And may we be, with what we hear, fruitful. May your word do its work within us and sanctify us. And may you grant us great joy in this occurring. Not, oh no, I, I, I have to change, but oh yes, I get to. Uh, if anybody's thinking anything like that. And thank you for the sure hope we have seed saved a savior who can't be defeated a holy God whom looks at us, who looks at us exactly the way he looks at his own son because his own son stood before you as if he were us so you look upon us as if we were him thank you for that Thank you for the message of Christianity, who is Jesus Christ, our Lord. Thank you for the blessing of hearing your word and having it here and 
manifest as you go. Mm -hmm. You're a wonderful man. Thank you for all of you. Amen.